Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Final value that we want to talk about is that we are spirit-filled. And truly, this is actually the one value that that ties them all together because we can be humble we can be unified we can be audacious we can be missional we can be faithful we can be all of these things and yet if we don't do it through a spirit-filled life it doesn't really matter Everything that we do, we do for the glory of God. And in order to do it for the glory of God, we need to be filled with God's Spirit. And so, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 19, what we have is uh, Moses. He's being prepared by God to, um, to go up and lead the people of Israel. And Moses just says to God, he says, if your presence doesn't go, don't, don't send us up from here if your presence does not go with us. And it's just this indication, even Moses, one of the heroes of our faith, one of the forefathers of our faith, saying, listen, if, if I don't have God's presence, I don't, I don't want to go up from this place. Moses had experienced so much in his life and it led him to believe that the one thing he needed was the presence of God. The presence of God is what changes everything. It's what makes miracles possible. It's what makes changed lives possible. It's what makes us come alive in an otherwise gray world to the God colors all around us. And so we want to be fully reliant on the Holy Spirit. If he doesn't go with us, we're not going to go. And uh, as a church, this has always been our strength, that God is at the center, that we're being led by God's Spirit. Hey Slate Church and everybody that is tuning in online, it's great to see you. Man, I've been saying that all through using cameras. I'm seeing a camera and on the other side you're seeing me, so we're kind of seeing each other. But I just want to say thank you from wherever you're tuning in from, whether you're here locally in Waterloo and you usually come out to one of our morning or evening services, or whether you're in Coburg, it's great to see you guys. Whether you're tuning in on demand on YouTube from different cities around Coburg, Hamilton, Cambridge, Milton, like saying a bunch of different places at this point, but glad that you're tuning in today. Um, I think that God actually has something that he wants to speak to you uh, wherever you are. And we're in our last series, our last message in our value series. We've been talking about uh, all the different values of our church in our This Is Church series. And we've been going through uh, all these different ones. We've been talking about humility. We've been talking about being missional as a church. We've been talking about being faithful as a church. We've been talking about being unified as a church, being audacious as a church. 
And today we're going to talk about being spirit-filled as a church. And I'm really excited to share about this. I'm excited to talk about what it means to be spirit-filled, how we can go about being spirit-filled, how it actually impacts our lives, and all of these other values that we've been talking about. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Brandon and Emma for giving me the opportunity to share on this because it's something that I am really passionate about. And I'm really passionate to see it get into us as individuals and get into us as a church and as a community beyond just talking about it on a Sunday, beyond just taking notes and having it live in our notebook. I want to see people's lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to jump in that today. Um, and basically, the way that I've been thinking about this idea of Spirit-filled, before we jump into the passage of Scripture, before we pray, um, I just want to talk about like this idea of this is sort of the bedrock of a lot of these other values that we have. Right? Without being spirit-filled, we're never going to be able to do all the other things that we've been talking about doing. You can't will yourself to be more humble. You can't will yourself to be more missional or more faithful. But, but being spirit-filled, it actually flows into all these other things and affects us in some really deep and impactful ways. My daughter, uh, Vivian, she's nine months old, and she's got all these bath toys that she uses. Uh, we give her a bath like every other night. Not important information for you to know. But, um, but basically, she's got this one cup. And you scoop the water up in this cup, and they poked holes in the side of this cup. And so when you scoop the water up, it sprays out the sides of the cup. And as I, as I was thinking about this idea of how a lot of these other values come from being spirit-filled, that was a picture that came to my mind. Is If we can fill this cup, if we can allow God to fill this cup of being spirit-filled, it'll actually flow out into to humility and into missional and into audacious and into unified. So it's a really important one to grab onto today. So if you've got a notebook, make sure you got it. Make sure it's actually allowing, like you're allowing God to affect and change your heart today as we jump into things. So why don't we start with prayer, and then we'll, we'll read uh, from the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for um, just the cameras and the digital space and the ability to, uh, to talk about your Word, to learn from your Word, God. Thank you for your presence in our life. Even as we're talking about your Holy Spirit today, God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be present in the rooms that everyone's sitting in on the other side of the screen, whether they're alone today, whether they're with a group, uh, even just here in the office as we're recording this, Lord, just ask that your spirit would be present. God, I ask that the words that I would speak in this time, that they wouldn't be mine, but God, that you would use me today, that your spirit would speak through me today to impact people's hearts, to impact people's lives, to grow in our awareness of you, to grow in our love for you, that you continue to mold us and change us and form us to be more like you over the course of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, if you've got your Bible, the passage that I am going to be speaking out of today is in John 16. And I had a really hard time picking a verse to talk about the Holy Spirit because it's kind of like, imagine somebody said, like, pick a verse to talk about Jesus. There's so much in Scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God and what the Spirit has been doing all from the Old Testament and into the New Testament. So we're going to read out of John, John chapter 16, uh, verse 7. Uh, to 15, and we're going to cut out a, a couple of verses in there. We're just going to read around them a little bit. But John 16, 7 to 8 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them all right now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. For he'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he'll declare to you things that are to come. He'll glorify me, for he'll take what is mine and he'll declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and he'll declare it to you. 
And I don't know about you, but as I'm reading this passage, it, it gives me such a joy to read it, such hope, such encouragement as I'm reading it. The idea that even though Jesus isn't present with us here on earth as he was with his disciples, that he's left a helper for us, that he's left something even better than his presence, he says. It's to your advantage that I go, he says. It's to your benefit that I go back and ascend into heaven to sit at the right hand at the throne of God because you're going to have a helper that's even more significant, even more helpful to you than I would be, than my own presence would be. And that to me is just like, that's a, that's a mind-blowing and encouraging thing. As I'm reading through this passage, I'm like, man, I need all the help that I can get. And the fact that God has left his spirit to help me is a really significant thing. And I want to talk about this idea of, of spirit in general, our spirit as a person. Because the Bible actually talks about this a lot, and it's not something to be uh, weirded out by or, or, or like confused around or, or something that's spooky or anything like that. It's actually, um, Scripture talks often about us being made up of, of really uh, a few different elements, right? We've got our, our bodies, our physical bodies. You've got our mind, our consciousness, and, uh, and you've got our spirit and our soul. But really, Scripture talks often about our bodies and our spirit, our flesh and our spirit, and the difference between those two things. Paul often talks about uh, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. We see in Psalms, David's speaking to his spirit and saying, Spirit, soul, why are you so downcast? And, and there's, there's language all in Scripture about our spirit, and it, it, almost in contrast to our physical being and to our flesh. So as people, we're made up of physical bodies, but we're also made up of, of a spirit, a consciousness, an essence that God has given to us. It's who we are. We see it even in Genesis when God forms Adam out of the dust of the ground, and then he breathes into him the breath of life, and he becomes a living being, Scripture says. And it's that spirit that God is breathing into Adam early on that we also have as people uh, uh, today. So it's not something that needs to be confusing or, or weirded out. And I, I want to even just speak to that idea of of Adam being created by God in the grand narrative of Scripture that we find ourselves in today. Because as much as you and I have been born probably sometime in like, uh, what is it, the, the 20th century, I guess, would be like the 1900s. I'm not, I, would, I can't imagine anybody here is born before the 1900s. I'm positive that you aren't. But in that, in that whole last century, as we're born, there's a whole history to the world that exists. There's a whole history to creation that exists. If God is outside of the world that we're living in, looking on, on what's happening here, there's a whole history in time that has, has happened. And it started with creation. It started with God creating human beings and, and that, that narrative in, in, um, in Genesis where he breathes life into Adam. And then it moves to, to creation, making a decision not to follow God because God gave creation, he gave people free will to choose to obey or to choose not to obey. And in the story of Adam and Eve, you maybe have heard of this, this idea where Eve makes a decision not to obey God, not to follow in the will and the plan that God has laid out for them, his perfect and good and, 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 uh, and perfect plan. And she says, no, I'm going to do something different. And sin enters the world and brokenness enters into the world. And this is where we find ourselves today, in a world that's full of brokenness. As you look around, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't take a lot for you to realize, man, things are really broken around me. Inside of me, things are broken. I've got things in me that I wish I didn't have there. My family relationships, maybe they're broken. You look at overseas and you look internationally and even locally, some of the things that are broken in our society and like, this is not the way that it should be. Greed runs rampant, lust runs rampant. These things run rampant in the world around us and, and, and there's something inside of us that goes, this isn't right. This isn't the way that it should be. And this is where you see Jesus come onto the scene um, in the time that he spends here on earth, the, the 33 years that he actually, that he comes and he lives and he dies. And this is Jesus is God in, in the flesh. And he comes to teach a new way of living, a new way of being. 
and a way to reconcile creation back to God. You see in the Old Testament, God gave uh, uh, Israel all these different laws to follow, the Ten Commandments, and that was the way that we could live according to the, the right way of uh, the way that God has designed the world. And then Jesus comes and he gives further teaching on that, and he, and he expands upon those Ten Commandments and the laws in, in the Old Testament, and he, and he kind of ups the ante on them. So in the Old Testament, we have this era where God the Father is our primary access point to God, and we go through the priests and through the temple, and then you see... In the New Testament, when Jesus comes, that's our, that's those people's primary interactions with God was through the Son, Jesus. And now, as people, we're living in this time frame in history um, of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is our primary access to God. And, and what a wonderful access that it is, because the Spirit actually, the, the Scripture talks about our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit of God actually lives within us and empowers us to do the work that God has asked us to do. Because all throughout creation, God has been drawing creation into himself, restoring creation, going, I actually want to see my original intent, my original design for this to come about, to, for there to be wholeness in relationship, for there to be wholeness within people, for, for the, the, the church and, and a Christian to actually be a demonstration and a reflection to the world around us of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the love of God, and the way that he designed and intended things to be. But for us as Christians today, if we want to be a part of that plan that God has of, of renewing and restoring creation, we have to first understand what does that mean and what does that look like? And that's a, the that's a beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. It's because the Holy Spirit aligns us with the will of God the Father. He aligns us with the order of creation and He reveals to us the truth in Scripture. One of those passages, it says, But if I go, I'll send Him to you. And when He comes, He'll convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is actually going to come and demonstrate the way that we're living. It's not actually the proper way of living. There's a better way to live. There's a greater way to live. John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit actually helps us understand Scripture. He helps us understand the teachings of Jesus. He helps us understand our lives and how we can actually live a different way, more according to the will of God and more in line with the way that God would have creation be. And the interesting thing about this is that, um, and I think this is an important, important note, as we get into like what does the Holy Spirit look like for each of us as individuals today, this, the Holy Spirit never contradicts God the Father or God the Son. As we look through Scripture, the Holy Spirit is never saying something new or different than what, what God the Father or Jesus have said already. In that, in that passage that we just read, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. For He'll not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He'll speak, and He'll declare to you the things that are to come. So basically, Jesus says, like, whatever I'm saying, like, like Jesus is telling people, whatever I'm saying, I've heard from the Father. So what I'm teaching you is from God the Father who has created all of creation, and He, and he understands how it all works. So what I'm teaching you, like Jesus is saying, what I'm teaching you is from God the Father. And then as he's, as he's leaving and he leaves the Holy Spirit with his disciples, he says, whatever the Holy Spirit is going to say is the same thing that I've been saying, which is the same thing my Father's been saying. So there's, there's consistency among God the Father, among Jesus, and among the Holy Spirit. And this is an important thing uh, to remember because even just in that, that passage, it says, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear all of them now. There's still more that God wanted to teach the disciples. There's still more that Jesus wanted to show and reveal. But he says, you can't bear all of it right now. It's why the Holy Spirit will come and he'll expand on these things. And he'll bring new light and fresh revelation and fresh understanding. Nothing that's different than what I've taught, but he'll expand upon these things. And, and he'll equip you 
to take those teachings and those understandings and apply them in your life. And that's the beautiful like, thing of the helper of the Holy Spirit. And so um, the, the, way, the reason that that's important, important and the reason that I, I highlight it is because oftentimes as we interact in our personal relationship with God and we pray and we say, God, would you like, guide me in this? Would you lead me in this? Maybe you've had a relationship with God for a long time. Um, and if you haven't, that's okay. And, and, and some of this stuff will be a lot more pertinent to you in just a second. But maybe if you have been following Jesus for a long time and you've been saying like, um, I got a decision that's ahead of me. I'm at a bit of an inflection point in my life and I need guidance. I need the Holy Spirit to lead me. I need God to show me what the right thing to do is. The, the reason that God never contradicts himself is important because oftentimes the things that we feel might not necessarily be the Holy Spirit leading us as people, right? So I've often heard, um, well, I've heard people say all kinds of things. God told me to do this or God told me to do that. And, um, and for you, if you're feeling today, like I feel like God is leading me in this direction for this purpose, for this thing, a great way to know whether that's God speaking to you or not is actually to go to Scripture and say, does it line up with the teachings of Jesus or is it outside of the teachings of Jesus? Does it line up with the Old Testament and what's being said there or is it outside of the Old Testament and what God has already revealed of, of himself? I had um, somebody say to me one time, um, you know, I really want to forgive this person, but God just told me not to forgive them. It's not from God. Like if you think that that's something that God would actually say to you, it's, it's not because it's outside of the teaching of Jesus that says, how often should we forgive somebody? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, seven times 70. There's no limit to our forgiveness. We need to forgive. Um, I had uh, even just a little bit more practically here. I had somebody one time tell me like, oh yeah, like I've been praying about it, seeking whether, you know, it's okay for me to, um, to, to sleep with my significant other before we're married. And, you know, I just don't really feel like God's, you know, telling me not to do that. Um, I think it's okay because we're going to get engaged and married anyways. And so, you know, I, f I really feel like God's like, okay with that. And, and in my prayer, I didn't really feel anything about it. And it's like, well, whether you felt that or didn't feel that, like the Holy Spirit is never going to contradict the teachings of Jesus when it comes to sexual ethic or purity or things like that. The, the one that's often used, and, and I don't really use it as, as an example too much today because um, it's more of just kind of like a joke really than anything else. But how many times uh, have you heard maybe somebody say like, oh, God told me I'm going to marry you. Or God told me I'm going to marry that person. I heard that one thrown around quite a bit in, uh, in Christian circles. And, and uh, it's not necessarily against the teaching of Jesus. It's just kind of weird when people say that, to be honest. It's a little bit strange. Uh, you, you do see in Scripture when, when uh, God tells Mary something about Jesus, uh, the Scripture says she pondered those things in her heart. She withheld them inside of her and, and began to think about them. And so maybe just consider that before uh, you, uh, you, you, know, you gas yourself up to go and tell that girl, like, God told me that uh, you're going to marry me and I'm going to marry you, because that's just like a weird, a weird thing to do. Maybe just get to know her first. That'd be probably a better, a better first step. Anyways, I'll leave that there. Down to the micro in our life, though, what does it look like to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to follow the Holy Spirit? There's this moment in Acts, the day of Pentecost, it talks about where God pours out His Spirit on the believers, on the early church. But what does it actually look like for us today to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to follow in the steps of the Holy Spirit? You know, you know, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, needing the strength of the Holy Spirit in our life, it's not an optional thing for us as followers of Jesus. It's not something that we can opt in or opt out of. Maybe cognitively we understand who God is, and maybe even cognitively we believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that He died for our sins. But if we, if we um, leave it at just that cognitive standpoint and don't actually allow it to change who we are, and allow us to become dependent on the Holy Spirit, allow us to ask God for more of His Holy Spirit, more of the strength that He has to give us, more of the discernment that He has to give us, more of the wisdom that He has to give us, more of the things He wants to teach us and prune in us and change in us, then we, we've got a limited understanding of who God is. And, and maybe we need to reassess our 
our willingness to be formed and to be changed and to be submitted to God. We need the Holy Spirit every day. And you constantly be asking, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do here? When we wake up in the morning, we've got to be thinking through this lens of God. Thank you for this day. What would you have me do today? I often think of this analogy um, uh, of a car, and I've, he I've heard it before, and I was talking to Pastor Nate about it, um, and he kind of reminded me of it. And it's this idea of, imagine you're taking this trip across Canada, right? You're trying to drive from Waterloo out to BC, and you got three weeks to do it. And so you pack the whole family in the car, you pack your roommates in the car, you pack your best friend in the car, whatever you're packing in the car, you got all your stuff, it's in the trunk, it's in the back seat, it's overflowing. And um, you're like, okay, I gotta book it over to BC now. You start the car, you start driving, you probably make it, I don't know, it depends on what you're driving, three, four hours before you need to stop and you need to fill the car with gas, right? You get to drive another three, four, five, six hours, you gotta stop again, you gotta fill the car with gas. And, and over the course of time, you'll reach a destination, but you need that constant filling of gas in order to do the thing that, that God has asked you to do, if God asked you to go to BC in this analogy. But imagine there's another way of doing it, right? You fill the car with your family, you fill the car with your friends, you fill your car with your stuff, and then instead of turning the car on and driving, you just get out of the, the driver's door and you walk around to the back of the car and you just start to push the car. Okay? And you're like, I'll just make it. I got three weeks, I'll just push the car there. And I wonder how far you'd actually make it. Like, I actually wonder, if you got out and pushed a car, how far from Waterloo you could make it in a week's time of just pushing that vehicle? Because you probably need the next two weeks to push it all, all the way back. But you're not gonna make it near as far. You're certainly not gonna make it to BC. And, and not only that, but as soon as you stop pushing on flat ground, as soon as there's an incline, you're not gonna be able to push past that thing. Because just like, it's not how a car's designed to work. It's not how, and that's, that's us living without the Holy Spirit. If we try to embody these values of, of humility, of, of being missional, of, of being unified, of being faithful, of, uh, of being audacious without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's like pushing this car across Canada. It's a lot more work than it needs to be. We're not going to do it as effectively as, it, as we could. And when we hit a roadblock, when we hit a hill, we're, gonna, we're not going to make it past that. We're not going to be able to push that car up the hill. You can't will yourself to be more humble. You can't discipline yourself to be um, more... Um, more unified with the people around you because that's hard. It takes submission, it takes humility, it takes forgiveness. That's where we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need that gas to fill us up to keep us going. And so for me, what this looks like, for us, what it looks like is to, to invite the Holy Spirit into what we're doing on a daily basis. Um, Luke 11, verse 13, it says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? What Luke, uh, what Jesus is saying here is, I think this is Jesus that's speaking in this passage, is like, if us as people are able to give our children good gifts, like my daughter, daughter Vivian, I got that cup for her in, in the bath, I got all kinds of stuff, my house is full of kids' toys. If I'm able to give her good gifts, how much more is God going to give me the gift of the helper, of the Holy Spirit, as I ask Him, as I desire that? My encouragement for us today would, let's be people that desire the presence of God in our life. Let's be people that desire the Holy Spirit in our life. That say, God, I need you to guide me, to lead me, to direct me, to show me the way I should go. Reveal in me, like pull out of my heart. God, you know my heart even more than I do. Pull out of me the things that I don't see, the resentment that I'm holding towards this person, the lack of forgiveness I'm holding towards this person. You can't will yourself into those things. We need to submit ourselves to God. I had a, I had a friend of mine um, a few years ago, I, I've talked about this before, maybe four or five years ago, a uh, very close friend of mine that, that um, we got into a really big argument around something that had kind of been stewing for a lot of years and 
and some things were said over the course of probably a week of arguing back and forth, some things that really deeply hurt me, and I, I, I said some things to him that hurt him. And right after that, I moved out to Toronto for a while, and, um, and I remember sitting in Toronto and stewing over the, the hurt and the frustration and the pain that I felt, and, um, and realizing I needed to forgive this person for the things that they said, and hoping that they would forgive me for the things that I said. And I remember thinking, this, this picture in my mind of God, if the level of forgiveness I need to have for the, the hurt that exists is all the way up here, this is all that I'm able to do. I can forgive him for this and for this and for this, but I can't forgive him for these things. I just can't get over that stuff. And I prayed for, for probably three or four weeks on it, God, would you just help me to not feel this resentment, this anger, this frustration towards him? Would you help me to just move past this in my life and in my heart? I can't figure it out on my own. And three weeks of this, three or four weeks of this, praying, 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 and getting really frustrated because I'm just not feeling any movement. I go to bed one night, the next morning I wake up and it's like it never happened. My heart, I'm just like, yeah, I, you know what, I love this guy. I forgive him for what was said. I'm grateful that he's going to forgive me. I hope that he'll forgive me and we'll move past it. But I couldn't just get rid of those emotions. It took time to submit myself to God to go, God, I need you to change my heart. I want you to change my heart. I'm desiring you in my life. God can do more in a moment in our life than we could spend a lifetime doing. I couldn't get over that, that, that hill of forgiveness on my own. I needed God in that. The Holy Spirit, he comes and he, and he prunes us, makes us more like God. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the kind of people that God desires us to be. This is the kind of people we can be through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we submit ourselves to God saying, Lord, I'm noticing stuff in my life that it's not right. Would you come and would you change me? Holy Spirit, would you empower me to do the work that needs to be done? Maybe you've got a coworker that you need to tell that God loves them. Maybe you, you, you've been sitting beside them in your cubicles for a long time. And every day, day in and day out, you're going, I should just take him out to lunch and just, just maybe not even tell him that God loves him. Just tell him that somebody loves him, that, that God is in their corner or that I'm in their corner. Maybe we just I, there's something I need to share with this person. You've been feeling it constantly. You're worried about how it's going to come across or what's going to ask God. God, would you give me the boldness to share this? Because it's probably the Holy Spirit that's speaking to your heart in those moments to actually speak to those people. Can you imagine like, what a church full of people filled with the Holy Spirit would look like? You can read about it in, in, in the Bible. You can read about it in Acts. This idea, Scripture says in Romans, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive and active within us. Imagine a church full of that, what it would look like, people uh, sharing their faith with others, people taking care of one another, the, the forgiveness, the love, the picture of a relationship with God that that would be to the world around us. How restorative that would be to the communities that we find ourselves in. If our marriages could be an example of the love that God has for us and people could see in our marriages, well, there's something different about them, something special about them, something unique about what, what, whatever is going on in their life, that we would be a picture that draws people in to relationship with God. If our whole church could get that, our whole community could be, could be uh, people of humility, dreaming big dreams for what God can do, but, but serving the people around us, doing it together, unified, and, and being faithful to the words and the teachings of Jesus. We can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we're not going to be able to figure it out on our own. We need God to use us. We need God to fill us. We need God to change us. And what's our part in that as people? to ask and to be open to it. To say, God, would you speak to me today? Would you do something in, in me today? Whatever that looks like. I don't even really understand my whole inner workings, my spirit, my soul. But he does, God does. He created it. 
for you today. The invitation is there. God is extending the hand to say, I want to, to work in your life. I want to change you. I want to grow you. I want to shape you. I want to empower you. I want to equip you. And for us, we need to say, God, would you do that in my life? Would you change me? And then we need to obey as God, God speaks to us and changes our heart. Maybe you're on the other side of the camera today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've thought, yeah, like it, this kind of makes sense cognitively, but I don't think I've ever put my faith and my trust in Jesus. I don't think I've ever said I want to submit my life to this and, and allow God to change me, allow God to grow me and receive the free gift of salvation. For you today, maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting your heart right now. Say, maybe this is a moment for me to, 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 to put a stake in the ground and change the course of my life and be obedient to the things that God has created me for and designed me to do. Why don't we, we bow our heads and close our eyes wherever you are um, today. I want to create a space and an opportunity. Acts 2, 3 to 8 um, Peter speaking to the church and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today you've not realized the, the weight of your sin or the need for forgiveness, the need for God to move in your life. And maybe in this moment the Holy Spirit's revealing that to you. And so if you, for the first time, are making a decision to follow Jesus, that's an incredible decision that you're making right now. I think even just in this moment there's a button that's popping up in the chat and if that's you on the other side of the camera today and you're going I'm making a decision to follow Jesus I want to submit my life to him why don't you go ahead and click that button or or maybe you're you're by yourself and, and you're watching this on demand afterwards why don't you just just whatever that looks like maybe you raise a hand as an outward expression of that maybe put your hand over your heart whatever that looks like for you today to say God I actually want to submit my life to you I want you to change my life I want to pray for you today God, we thank you for those that are making this decision on the other side of this screen, Lord. We ask that you would bless them. We ask that you'd be with them. We ask that you'd empower them, Lord, that your presence would fill them, that your Holy Spirit would fill them, God. Pray that you would reveal to them the truth of your word, the truth of scripture, the truth of the gospel, to say that while we were yet sinners and far from you, God, and broken in our sinfulness, that you died for us, that you loved us, that you're drawing us back into a relationship with you. We thank you, God. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. It's the best decision that you could ever make. There'll be some, uh, some next steps after, after the, the, we spend some more time in worship. But even before we move on in worship, I want to pray for one more group here. And I'm a bit over time. And thanks for sticking, sticking through with this. But I want to pray for one more group of people. So why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes. And I just want to ask you on the other side of the screen, maybe today you're in a position in your life where you're saying, I haven't been living with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if God has has equipped me for the things that he needs me to do. I don't know if I've allowed God to speak to me in ways that I need him to speak to me. If that's you on the other side of the screen today, I'd ask that you would raise your hand to say, I need a new filling of the Holy Spirit today. I need God to fill my car with gas. I need to be, uh, to, to be filled and empowered by God to do the things that I can't do on my own. If that's you, I want to pray for you today as well. God, I just ask for your spirit to fill the rooms on the other side of the screen, Lord that you would be present with these people. We thank you for your presence even in this moment here in this room, God, and in the rooms that they find themselves in. God, would you speak to them in a powerful and a mighty way today, God? Would you move in their heart? Would you reveal yourself in a new way to them? Would you equip them? Would you empower them? Would you encourage them, God? If there's forgiveness that's needed, I pray that you would melt away the bitterness or frustration, God. If it's pride that's seeped in, Lord, I pray that you would melt that away. If there's, there's, there's anger or discord or frustration between, uh, between people that are a part of your body, God, a part of your church, Lord, I pray that you would melt that away, God, and that you would do something new and a fresh work in our hearts and our lives today, that we continue to submit ourselves to you. We love you and ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. 
We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.